Before we begin the topic proper, just wanted to make a few comments on some of the things that were said um, in in uh, in people's reflections. Uh, first of them is I think most people who are probably here are on the same page on this, but yet we can repeat it. It's just this idea of if I get it, I get it. Um, that's, I mean, you could say that about anything, right? Like you could say that about putting your seatbelt on in the car or locking the door in your house or anything, right? You could say if, if it was going to happen, it's going to happen type thing. That's not really how we look at things in, uh, from a religious kind of guidance perspective. But rather we, we, we do acknowledge that, of course, and at the same time we take the necessary steps that are immediate to us in our understanding of the reality that we're facing. And, um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the Masajid for the most part in choosing to very quickly mobilize and come to a unified decision uh, for the most part. I mean, uh, for the most part, most of the Masajid in Southern California were on the same or at least in greater LA, Orange County area, we're on the similar wavelength when it came to the decision to cancel Juma and um, so on. You know, so those were um, that was, I think, positive. I know there's been some pushback around that. Unfortunately, I really feel like the people who are pushing back on that um, are going to understand in a week or two. And uh, I think that that's unfortunate. I would love to be proved wrong, you know, inshallah, inshallah, that's not the case. But I, I really believe that people who are resisting this decision at this point are going to really understand in a week or two. And uh, I think part of that for many of us, especially in the Muslim community, we're connected to a lot of people in the healthcare industry. And... Um, so, you know, we're, the news we're getting sometimes is a lot more direct than sometimes what other people are getting, you know, hearing directly from the people who are on the front lines. Um, that's the first one. The second one is this point about death, I think is really important. It's a hard one, but I think that, you know, we need to at least recognize um, intellectually that if one contracts this illness, they go into quarantine. And if they are hospitalized as a result of it, they're in quarantine. And they don't have visitors. So if la qadr Allah, a parent, for example, contracts this illness, then they will be going, you know, to the, and you will not be able to talk to them in person. And if they were to pass, um, you know, Allah protect us and our loved ones. That you know, these are and basically what I'm trying to get at is these conversations that we're able to have now. We should, we should take them seriously, and um, and to recognize that if things were to develop, then it it may be very much possible that we won't be able to see them, and we won't be able to wash their body, and we won't be able to pray over them the way that we had hoped to pray over them, and so on, and. Um, those are really harsh realities, but they're realities that we need to think about. Um, uh, there was a video that was going around, I think it was last week, from Sheikh Abu Isa Ni'matullah in the UK. 
uh, talking about this and and basically raising it and saying, look, you know, we're going to have a lot of elders who are going to pass away. And we don't know how this is all going to play out. There might be a lot of uh, things that happen that we wish they could have gone a different way. But in the end, one of the things to remind ourselves with that is that Allah is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And He is aware of everything, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if one of our loved ones, uh, the general principle in, in sickness is that whatever would have taken place had the person been healthy, that is the reward that they get. And so, you know, maybe someone is uh, passes away in these circumstances and 500 people aren't able to go to their janazah. But had the circumstances not been this way, 500 people would have gone. And so it's written for them as if it was that way. So we should keep this in mind and um, not get too bogged down with particularities and just basically do the best that we can given our circumstances, inshallah. Uh, the third thing is that <clears throat> some people mentioned good things that they had seen from people. I think that uh, oftentimes when a calamity strikes, if certain systems are not already in place, then it can take some time for things to come together. Uh, why I'm saying that is not in relation to the government response. The government has their responsibilities. Allah help them with their responsibilities. But I mean from a people side, I believe that it's likely. You, we may see things, uh, worse things from people, but I think we will also see good things from people too. And more and more of them as as time progresses and as time moves on. And that's also a reminder to ourselves that anytime there's a time of hardship and difficulty, that is an opportunity for us to see how we are going to respond. And uh, are we going to be from the helpers? Are we going to be from those who give for those who are able to in these times? Um, one of the things I was thinking about, and it was in an article about what's the next year to 18 months look like, is that, um, you know, some people will contract this illness. Many people will probably contract this illness and have very mild um, symptoms and, and overcome it. And seemingly, most likely at that point, uh, n not catch it again. And so those kind of people will really be in a position where they can do khair that other people may not be able to do. Um, one of the articles was talking about how that will be a turning point when enough physicians and healthcare workers and so on and so forth have already contracted it and gotten through it such that they can be giving care to those who are in need without really uh, the same level of concern. Of course, there's still concern. Um, but I think we're going to see good from people. That's number three. Number four is on this issue of replacing things for people with the jummahs and stuff like that. Um, Everyone's scrambling, you know, just to make some excuses. Everyone's scrambling. They're trying to do what they can. But one thing that I've been struggling with personally, and maybe this is something that other people might be struggling with as, as well, is that there's a lot of stuff now being done online. So, like, so many imams are doing stuff online. So many institutions are doing stuff online. And, yeah, I, we could come and do something too. But at what point does that become redundant? At the same time, you think to yourself, well, you know, each person kind of has their own their own flock, in a sense. Um, 
And so that's kind of like why we're also happy with Zoom to kind of do the Zoom thing because we can kind of be together with our little thing. It's not just all broadcasted on Facebook and so on. So the people that are coming into this Zoom meeting are kind of people who probably have some sort of connection to the work that we've been doing at the Medjlis and so want to be part of that. And that's really what we want to nurture. We want to focus on nurturing and maintaining is the relationships of community and things that um, that we've developed over this time. So in, in light of that, I want to give a shout out to some of the people who have their video on. So of course, you're not required to put your video on. But part of what's nice is um, for those of us, especially who are used to seeing each other every week, every couple times a week, it's nice to see each other in real time, even if for a few minutes, and to feel kind of like that connection to make to offer each other, inshallah. As for Ramadan, inshallah, you know, inshallah, even if things continue the way they are, uh, and even if they get worse, I think at least we will have settled in more, in a sense, to a new norm. And so that means that, inshallah, there will be things for Ramadan, and we'll figure out how to do that, and the masajid will figure out how to do that. And, and you know, alhamdulillah, it's all a learning process. I've said before that uh, one of the things that had happened to us when we went to Egypt was that we were deeply embedded in community life here. Uh, you know, halaqas and organizations and conferences and so on and so forth. And then we went to Egypt and, you know, we didn't have high-speed internet at that time in Egypt. And um, and we didn't speak the language. So now we're in the circumstance where we got thrusted from a deep community life to being in a place that we don't understand, in a, langu- in, in a language that we don't understand and not having anything and it, it was kind of like in those in, in those um, months that we realized that a lot of what we had been doing as relates to our personal relationship with God was actually basically Iman on training wheels because we had never actually rode the bike ourselves fully right like it was always even even if we were to pray in the night it was because there was someone who had organized this Qiyam or whatever it might be you know, it was always some some community, which are good. It was always, but it was always some sort of community thing that was organized that pushed us in this direction. And then all of a sudden, we're in this place, and the tra- training wheels are taken off. And there was a there was a learning curve to that, but there's an importance to that experience as well. And I think that in in having to be home, um, there's there's things that we can learn about ourselves and about others that inshallah will be beneficial for us Allah give us all tawfiq so we're going to go back to the lecture inshallah the topic oh I was supposed to send the, the link let me find it real quick um, I will send you the link to the pdf whatever bird is outside just saying so beautifully Okay. So here's the PDF in the chat box. The link to it. You can open it up uh, if you like. You don't have to. Don't feel compelled. But we're going to continue from where we left off. Part of the challenge with that is that I don't really remember where we left off. So... I'm just going to start from the beginning of page two in the English, and maybe it'll be a little bit of review. 
if we've already covered it. So Bismillah Qala and Muhadir Hafidahullah Ta'ala wa Nafanallahu Yahbi Fidarin Amin. The speaker said the following and may Allah protect him and uh, and give us benefit from us and him benefit from his knowledge in this life and the next Amin. So if you weren't here last week or the last weeks, this is um, a lecture called Marriage. Oh, it's backwards. Social Ideal and Cosmic Sign. And it was given by Dr. Omar Farooq Abdullah, Hafizahullah, recently in the Gambia. And these are his notes. So you have his, his Arabic written out along with the English. It's pretty cool to see. I can read the Arabic. We're just going to only read the English, inshallah. So on the top of page 2 he says It is reported that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said oh, uh, Whoever marries fulfills one half of his religion Another hadith relates even more emphatically Whoever marries fulfills two-thirds of his religion These well-known hadith emphasize the importance of marriage in the deen And consequently in the dunya also Since the religion of Islam always establishes and guards the ultimate needs and benefits of human beings in this world as well as the hereafter so this part, I think we had read. The all-important sunnah of marriage is based on the reality of pairs and pairings that runs throughout God's creation. The fact that we are created in pairs, male and female, like everything else God has created, reflects the profound need of the male for its female counterpart, and likewise the need of the female for her masculine pair. This need is not just for the biological necessity of having children. Rather, each spouse needs the other spouse simply to be a complete human being, which cannot be fulfilled in the absence of marriage. It is only in the sunnah of marriage that each of the two pairs, male and female, in their mutual belief in God, can meet the needs of each other, become sound and upright, and attain to human perfection inwardly and outwardly. So it's in this pairing that we're able to accomplish that. Um, and obviously the, the relationship of marriage is a unique relationship um, It's different than every other relationship Yes, you'll have pairings of relationships between male and female outside of marriage You might have a daughter, a mother, aunts, whatever it might be But it's not quite the same as marriage in terms of um, really complementing one another for this reason, marriage is not only one of the most important foundations of our religion, but also ranks among the uh, essential elements of civilization. Without marriage, we cannot have strong families. Without marriage, we cannot cultivate individual sanity and personal well-being. And in the end, the entire framework of a successful society is based on the indispensable sunnah of marriage. Consequently, God has magnified marriage and made it one of the cosmic signs of His glory in the heavens and the earth. So He has placed extra emphasis on the relationship. Allah says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمِ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ and he says in the Quran, and among his signs is that he created spouses for you from among yourselves, that perhaps you might find rest in them. And he established affection and mercy between you. Truly in that there are signs for people who reflect. Chapter 30, verse 21. So he's continuing to develop this idea of the 
foundational nature of the marital relationship to the entirety of human existence. This verse declares marriage to be a cosmic sign of God in creation. It addresses both men and women and tells us how God extends his love and mercy to husbands and wives through the love and mercy that they show each other in marriage. So God extends his mercy to his mercy and his love to the people uh, through the way that they, you know, like the the love and mercy uh, that they show one another in the context of marriage is a manifestation of Allah's love and mercy uh, in creation itself. Cultivation of this love and mercy is the purpose of marriage, not just having children. So this is not, the purpose of this relationship is not simply just to have children. The relation, the purpose of this, one of the main purposes of this relationship is to cultivate love and mercy. Now there's a couple things that come up here. Um, one of them is that this is something to think about if one might be in a relationship where maybe they're not able to have children. Right? There's many relationships where men and women are not able to have children. And um, that that just, you know, obviously is, is difficult to deal with and is a trial uh, for, for people. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that they cannot do other things that are from the objectives of the relationship, like loving one another and having mercy with one another and so on. Another maybe layer of that is to say that maybe not everyone is able to get married in the first place for a number of reasons. And um, if they're not able to get married, then they can still go back to this, these uh, principles of love and mercy. That Okay, I, I'm not able to have this relationship where I can nurture love and mercy in this particular way, but I can still nurture it in other relationships in ways that are appropriate. Um, so this is important to consider as well. It's not maybe it's not uh, understood by people that not everyone is supposed to get married, and this might be a surprise. Part of what is um, studied in the in the jurisprudence that is not always understood is that sometimes there can be a general rule, and that general rule can have different rulings based on a number of considerations. So those considerations might be specific to a person or they might be even more general. So in the case of marriage, they say that the general teaching of Islam, uh, the general teaching of the Quran and the Sunnah as it relates to marriage is that it's something that is recommended, something that we should try to do, assuming we have the means and so on. But for some people, that might not be recommended for them. So, for example, the, the fuqaha will discuss the issue of, like, what if you have a man who is so out of control with his anger that he believes very reasonably that he won't be able to treat his wife in a way that is appropriate and honorable and distinguished and everything else. Then some of them have said that in this kind of case, marriage is actually haram for that person. It's not just like you get married and you fix it the ultimate band-aid for every single issue it's like our, our personal issues we use marriage to fix our personal issues the way that we use olive oil to fix our health issues <laughs> it's like the ultimate it'll fix everything you know <laughs> and you know inshallah maybe it will but that's not with olive oil at least you're experimenting on yourself but with marriage you're experimenting on someone else to see whether or not it's gonna uh, be successful in, in 
helping you to overcome your issues and maybe you know maybe it will but it's not um, uh, you know that's it, it's not necessarily that it has to be that way on the other hand it could be actually required for someone to get marriage get married um, uh, and you know the the maybe they have the means to get married and they're having a very difficult time staying away from things that they should stay away from and everything else is in order so but so in this case like they should try to get married you know insofar as they can um, this is not assuming that they're trying to fix like a pornography addiction that's a different issue um, that should be dealt with separately but say like they're not engaging in such things but they're just you know struggling then they should they should get married if they're able to and so on it can take the different rulings um, Another thing that you see here is that the marriage is not just about... Um, it, it's important, I think, that we think about marriage in these ways because uh, I think sometimes we look at... you know, We think about marriage in the context of our relationship with God. And how is this relationship part of my overall practice of enriching my relationship with God? And so it's not just like a novelty. You know, I think one of the struggles that we have in general, and that's why people can't stay in their house, is because we've been trained to not be able to do things for extended periods of time. So someone, a couple might be married, and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're married, and they've been married for some time, and the novelty of it wears off. Well, you know, you're not in, in a relationship for a novelty. You're in a relationship to, to to fulfill the rights of somebody else, to uh, pay attention to the rights of somebody else, to try to improve yourself, to build upon the qualities that you have, to work on these issues of love and mercy and so on and so forth, to express values of loyalty. I think sometimes loyalty is missed here. That. Um, you know, it's not just maybe like 10 years have passed, 15 years have passed in a relationship and things don't really feel the way that they used to before. Well, first of all, it's probably because step by step you ended up in a different place than you were before. And you can probably step by step work towards improving on that. Again, assuming that there's not major issues going on. Um, but there is also loyalty, you know, like I've spent years of my life with this person. I need to have some, and, and there's honor and loyalty, and there's dignity and loyalty. Um, not just like, oh, I can, and, and you, you see kind of like this disposable mentality sometimes. I think it's, you know, um, sometimes it's cultural, but sometimes whatever. I think you get the point of what I'm trying to say. Um, and these, these things are not really emphasizing uh, the realities of, um, of what this relationship is really like, you know. Um, and and if we cannot be committed in that relationship, then how are we going to be committed in our relationship with God? And I think this is one of the main issues that we have to think about, as as a couple, and also the relationship between parents and children. Is like, you know, in 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 some parts of our lives, we usually think that our parents, many of us, if we've had the, you know, good parents, we feel like our parents are perfect. And then at some point in our lives, we realize that our parents aren't really perfect. Um, but we're okay with that. 
and there's a part of that that's kind of like this is the nature of life right that, that sometimes it's going to be really the way you want it to be and sometimes it's not and if i can't do that if i can't figure that out then i'm probably going to have a hard time dealing with the qadr that i have in life because sometimes Allah is going to test me with ease and sometimes Allah is going to test me with difficulty and sometimes Allah is going to test me with health and sometimes he's going to test me with sickness and these are all uh, various manifestations of things that can happen to us in our life and nothing is guaranteed and so also part of this is like if I can't recognize that from my wife and the Prophet them actually talked about this or my or my husband that we might see things from our spouse that are not pleasing to us but we have to be patient with those things because there's going to be other things that are pleasing to us and again this is something that's very much real about life itself right like there's going to be times where we have to do things in life that are not really you know things that we'd prefer to do but we do them anyways or we might be afflicted with things that we'd prefer not to be afflicted by them and yet they're here you know, I would prefer that the huge amount of Americans who are living month to month and probably can't find food to put on their table right now didn't have to go through that. And yet these are things that occur in life and in the existence of creation. These are part of the expansion and the contraction that Allah wills in existence. And we know him as Dhul Jalali wal Ikram the possessor of majesty and mercy and generosity and beauty and so he is our lord irregardless of the situation may allah help us to turn to him um one of the things i've been thinking about that maybe is related to this at some level in these last couple of days is that i feel that a lot of the work of spiritual maturation occurs in times of silence so you know like and and stillness so yeah i can listen and this is one of the things that i've been kind of worried about with these uh some of the advices and things that have been coming out over the last week which is like everything is a new checklist of something to do and yeah your whole life was a bunch of checklists of things to do and life will still be a bunch of checklists every now and then of things to do but it's also okay to just not do anything and to sit with stillness and to sit with quiet and to stop ingesting more and more and more information and to really just like okay i have some things that um, are going on inside of me and i need to work through them and in those in in those uh battles that we fight internally that's that's where a lot of our maturation can occur inshallah may allah help us and um you know give us facilitation in these things it's uh it can be very scary for a lot of people. I think for, for some introverts, you know, we're, we're overwhelmed with joy. <laughs> and for some of us who were accustomed to living this way for many years of our lives, like much of our life in Egypt was basically quarantine, you know, like you go out if we had a class, but otherwise on most days, on, there were many, many days where I would wake up in the morning, go down, get some food and sit in my room the entirety of the day reading and studying and reading and studying and then in the evening you have to eat again at some point you kind of have to eat again so then like you leave to eat 
and that would just repeat itself. So this is like, um, if it w but but the kids obviously are, <laughs> they're a, they're a different uh, um, cog in the in the experiment. But um, for some of us, it's, it's you know we're very happy to be home and to be alone and left but left to our own devices and stuff. But some people, that's really that's really scary, and. Um, and that is what we had said in the Monday night class that Ibn al he talked about in one of his hikam, one of his wisdoms. He said that nothing benefits the heart like an isolation by which the person enters into the battlefield of contemplation. They isolate themselves and in doing so they enter into the battlefield of fikra. Fikra, they're, they're reflecting and they're contemplating and... Um, and that's a means by which they there's a battle that's going on there sorry it's just uh, I just heard the rain mashallah may, may Allah make this a time wherein our du'as are accepted and um, may he alleviate this burden upon the world may he make it a means by which we can turn to him and know him and may he ease the suffering of our families and our loved ones and our friends. And, uh, you know, laysa an Allahi bi aziz. It's not difficult for Allah to provide a solution to anything. And, uh, and the solutions are there. So may he allow us to find them and bring ease to all of the situation, inshallah. I mean. I was listening to this. someone sent this clip. So it's a day of tangents, you know, we're on Tangent Central today. Um, someone sent this clip of Sheikh Sha'rawi, Rahimullah, the great Egyptian scholar and Mufassir exegete. And he had this clip talking about the Qada of Allah, the decree of Allah. And he said one of the rules is that the decree of Allah, when Allah decrees something to be descended upon a person or a people, it is not lifted until they accept it. Until they submit to it and they accept it. And he gave a funny example that might not sit well. <laughs> I'm not advocating uh, child abuse in any sort of way, but it works. It worked in the audience that he was speaking to, right? So he gives them an example, and people start laughing and stuff. He said it's like when your when your child makes a mistake and you discipline them, and you tell them. And you tell them, like, uh, do you accept that what you did was wrong? And you accept that this mistake was your mistake and so on and so forth. And if they if they accept it, then they accept it and it's done. And if they don't accept it, then, <laughs> then the conversation, let's just make it a conversation. Then the conversation continues. And he said, And to Allah is the greatest uh, analogy in, in this uh, way. So, mashallah. Um, that's that's uh, so these are these are things that we have to focus on in marriage is that how are we going to develop these qualities how are we going to uh, express these things of love and mercy thank you what I call people um, how are we going to express these qualities of love and mercy and tranquility and care and concern and so on and so forth And they might not look exactly the way that we thought that they would look. Okay. Uh, so he continues and he says, 
Hafidahullah. The verse teaches us that marriage is a means by which men and women, husbands and wives, encounter God's eternal love and mercy for them in the love and mercy they have for each other. Thus, the sunnah of marriage represents tremendous spiritual good in and of itself. The love, mercy and spiritual good of marriage brings each spouse sukun, rest and restoration. Beautiful translation, rest and restoration. And ta'annus, intimate familiarity and friendship. These supreme blessings bring immeasurable joy and happiness to the soul, which in turn remove from us depression, disruption, and turmoil, ittirab, especially the burden of loneliness, solitude, and feeling abandoned. So these are very, very um, profound concepts. That in this relationship we acquire these beautiful things, and we <coughs> remove these other ones. Marriage makes us whole, and the blessings of sukun that comes as a result, and the blessing of sukun that comes as a result, as as a fruit of healthy marriage, opens the doors of physical, psychological, and spiritual health and perfection. But this is this is what we're doing here. It's not just some sort of game, uh, some sort of chance to you know, uh, engage in a relationship or whatever. But this is um, you know, an opportunity to push ourselves towards spiritual rectification and, 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 and completion spiritually and physically. And the combination of these two is something that you find actually in the acts of worship and the major things that we have in our religion in general. Excuse me. Um, so, for example, recently when we were in Umrah, uh, one of the shiuch, when he was making his Umrah, he was going really hard. You know, some of the some of the the brothers that were with him, they were saying we we had to really move in order to keep up with the sheikh in the tawaf and the sa'i and everything else. And afterwards, they, one of them had mentioned it to the sheikh, and they told him. You know, Sheikh, you were really walking really fast. You were you were really moving in that in that Umrah, and he he told them that part of the objective of the Umrah is to combine between the physical and the spiritual. To combine between the physical and the spiritual, so it's it's meant to be spiritually rigorous and physically rigorous, both. Um, <coughs> so so it's supposed to be both of those. Um okay, we're getting okay. I'm gonna read one comment that was shared and then I'm gonna continue inshallah. He said, Could it be said that any sort of relationship, friendships for example, provide opportunities for practicing love and mercy, but that marriage is the ultimate humanistic relationship to practice love and mercy? Uh I th I think that's a, probably a good way to frame it because otherwise again the people who aren't able to get married for any number of reasons might feel left out by that um, but there are other places where you can practice those things as well so if you notice in the notes he jumps around it jumps around a little bit so we're going now to the top of page five uh, marriage is a cosmic sign of god and a supreme spiritual good in itself 
But the sunnah of marriage will surely fail to achieve this lofty purpose unless husband and wife strive to practice and perfect their highest moral qualities as believers in God seeking his pleasure. So this is absolutely essential. Um, the husband and the wife, this is our framework, right? Like our framework is a framework of belief in God, following the sunnah of the Prophet them, striving to be as good as we can possibly be, and that then becomes the, the, the foundation for all of these things that are mentioned as part of the relationship of marriage. Wow, the rain is so pretty. If you don't have a window that's open, um, <coughs> I suggest cracking a window and hearing the rain if you live in the Irvine area. Probably is a if you're not directly here, you'll probably hear it soon. So it achieves these purposes when the husband and wife strive to practice perfection, uh, to practice and perfect their highest moral qualities as believers in God seeking His pleasure. Marriage is good character. Marriage is good character. Without good character, it easily becomes a gross distortion of what God willed it to be. Um, this really, for me, is like one of the best parts. Because uh, what what is more real than that? And what is more beautiful than the Prophet them and his relationship with his wives? I mean, it's really remarkable. Marriage is good character. Without good character, it easily becomes a gross distortion of what God willed it to be. The Prophet them said, The best of you are the best of you to women, meaning especially the women to whom we are married. He said in another transmission, The best of you are the best of you to your wives and families, and I am the best of you to my wives and family. He emphasized in another hadith, This is not bragging, by the way. Uh, in the you know it's like uh, when the prophet says in the other narration he says that I am the best of all of the children of Adam and I'm not saying that out of arrogance or, or pride it's just true so when the prophet says the best of you is the best of their families and I'm the best of my family it's just a statement of truth there's there's no um, like arrogance in that how would it be that <coughs> he emphasized in another hadith the most perfect of the believers in faith is the best of them in character and the very best of you are the very best of you to their wives and women in good character in another hadith the prophet them said truly the most perfect of the believers in faith is the most beautiful of them in character and the kindest of them to his wives and family all of these hadith are authentically transmitted so he says that all of these are reliable narrations uh, from which we should be um, really paying paying close attention. Uh, some of this takes some level of reframing, you know, in terms of what we understand to be religion. Uh, countless times I've heard people say, oh, I married so-and-so and I thought they were a religious person, or so-and-so, they're a religious person. And you ask them why? What what's the what's your thermometer by which you're determining that this person is a religious person? 
And almost inevitably they'll say, well, they pray five times a day. And of course, praying five times a day is a good thing. And if someone prays five times a day, then that's uh, a sign of their commitment and their relationship to God and so on and so forth. But praying five times a day is also kind of like a, a basic requirement of the religion. Um, and, you know, if people aren't doing it, then it's something to improve upon and so on and so forth. We're not shaming you. But the Prophet ﷺ also said that أَقْرَبُكُمْ إِلَيَّ مَجَاءَ أَقْرَبُكُمْ إِلَيَّ مَجْلِسًا يَوْمًا قِيَامًا أَحَاسِنُكُمْ أَخْلَاقًا that the closest of you in sitting to me on the day of judgment are the best of you in character. So that's that's religion too, right? Adinul Mu'amala. That that religion is how we interact with people, it's how we treat people, it's how we deal with people. And the hadith that I always quote that the Prophet them said that the person can reach by good character the rank of the one who fasts during the day and prays during the night, just just from their good character. Right, so these are really, really important things as well. That that if I'm trying to understand the religiosity of a person, I should be looking at far more than just their commitment to prayer. I should be looking at their loyalty and their kindness and their love and their mercy and their charity and their generosity, their patience, their virtue. All of these kind of things are, are very important as well. So I think we'll stop here, inshallah. If there's any questions that people have, um, we can entertain those for a couple minutes and then... We'll break for the evening, inshallah. Um, so if you have any, you can send them in the uh, in the box, inshallah. Uh, there's one comment that you probably saw from Charlie, a poem and a reading of it by Richard Wilbur for his wife of 60 years. Hmm. It's not the love that makes the marriage, it's the marriage that makes the love. Love is more truly a commitment, not just a feeling, inshallah. Um, look forward to reading that. And listening to that, so he, there's, let me see this YouTube link. Okay, look forward to listening to that, inshallah. Um, any questions, you can put them in the chat box. Or, or uh, observations, um, contributions. All very welcome. Salim, it's good to have you with us, man. I noticed some people are joining that we haven't seen in some time who aren't able to come to the in-person gathering, so it's a good to have you all with us, mashallah. Clicking through the videos so I can see the people who have their videos on. Give you a wave. I see Hakeem, Neda, Charlie. Who's that, Lydia? MashaAllah. Very nice, MashaAllah. Uh, may Allah keep all of our hearts together. And uh, may He find us in the best of states where, wherever He finds us. And um, as sources of love and mercy to those around us. 
So we'll just make du'a and then close, inshallah, <laughs> the cats. Mashallah, the cats. <laughs> That's nice. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allah, we praise you and we seek you in all of our affairs and we turn to you in everything that we face. We ask you, our Lord, to be gentle with us in these difficult times, to inspire us to that which is good and to help us to be able to overcome our base impulses such that we can be in the service of others. Allah, we ask you to be with the first responders and the medical staff and the delivery truck drivers and the grocery store workers and everybody who are in places of high contact we ask you our Lord to protect them and to keep them safe to protect their families and to keep their families safe we ask you our Lord that we are given in these times of distress an opportunity to connect with you and to connect with our families uh, we ask you our Lord to be with those who are in difficult family situations such that this break is not really a break, but actually a great test. We ask you to be with them and to facilitate their affairs and to turn the hearts of those who are in their households. Uh, our Lord, we seek you and we hope for you in everything that we do. And we have nothing other than you. We have nothing other than you. We have nothing other than you. And we are grateful to you, our Lord, for these beautiful people, these wonderful people, and these wonderful hearts. And we ask that you do not prevent us from being with one another and do not prevent us from each other's company. If not physically, then spiritually. We ask that you keep us together. And um, and every, every need that any person has in their heart, any desire that is in the deepest depths of their soul, we ask you, Allah, in this blessed time, when the rain is falling, we ask you to answer all of those du'as and all of those desires and all of those needs, Ya Rabbi. Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, ma lana siwaik, ma lana siwaik, ma lana siwaik, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa bik, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa bik. There is no power or might except by you. There is no power or might except through you. We turn to you, Allah. This is who we are. This is what we have. We're in front of you, and you are our Lord, and we eventually go back to you. We ask that you make the time when we meet you the greatest of our times, and the best of our days, and the most joyous of our moments. And we ask you to forgive us and to overlook us and to guide our loved ones and our families to that which is correct and true and to guide us to that which is correct and true. Allahumma ameen. Wa sallam wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi Good to see you all. Take good care.
said, is this the part where people do jujitsu on Zoom? So we used to have our jujitsu class after <laughs> after the Sunday session. <clears throat> Alrighty. Is there a timeline when the Masajid will open again? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I know of. I mean, it doesn't seem... The way things are going and the projections that have been made, it doesn't seem that they're going to be opening anytime soon. Um, and of course, that's a sad thing. In some of the books of fiqh, they talk about how if one is able to do so, then they should establish in their home what they refer to as masjid al-bayt, the masjid of the house. So um, it's a good practice to do in general, and especially in times like these, to maybe carve out a space that, you know, this is going to be the masjid of the house, even if it's like the closet. <laughs> Not all of us have really big places, so it might be a closet, but it could be somewhere that's a, a place of worship in the home. Inshallah, these are uh, opportunities for gratitude. Inshallah. From Ohio, welcome Ozair from Ohio, mashallah. Oh wow, Ozair, Mutaz, I hope you're well, mashallah. Long time, inshallah, you're doing well and the family's doing well, and I'm glad to hear that you're meeting with Sheikh Musa. Sheikh Musa is really, um, you know, consider him to be a special person, mashallah. Subhan. You know, from back in the day in San Diego, when all of us were just, you know, community people trying to. Do what we can. Sheikh Musa is also an extreme, or he was. I'm sure he still got a lot, but he, he was a very good basketball player. You know, some people are good basketball players. He was a, a very good basketball player, like on a California state level. So, uh, you know, give him my warm salams. Inshallah. Good to hear from you, Jose. Alrighty. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Take care. <coughs>